Cue the fancy intro music. I'm Lisa Robin Young, and this is Creative Freedom, empowerment for creative entrepreneurs, where can-do inspiration and how-to education collide to help you own your dreams without selling your soul. Creative Freedom helps you end the hustle, define success on your own terms, and build a profitable, sustainable business doing more of what you love and less of what you don't. I'm so excited you're here with me today. Let's get started. I'm in Flint Town this week. Represent... Okay, actually, I am all over the Flint area. Fenton, Grand Blank, Swartz Creek. I'm filming for an upcoming reality TV show appearance on a major network. And I can't say anything more about that right now, but I can say it will be heart-touching, funny, and real. So more on that in a later episode. Today, we're talking about the corollary to our last episode about credibility. That's loyalty. How to earn it how to keep it. And it's all about love, my friend. What about love? Well, L-O-V-E, it's an acronym for the four actions you can take to cultivate loyalty with your raving fans. Author Pamela Herman once said, quote, loyalty happens when we feel a sense of support or allegiance to something or someone, end quote. But what exactly can you do to help your clients and customers feel that sense of support or allegiance? Well, it all comes back to a crazy little thing called love. (laughs) Corny? Maybe. Stick with me here because I'll be dropping all kinds of love song titles in this episode. There are just too many good ones out there. So if love is all you need, let's understand why. I dedicated a whole section of chapter 11 of my book to love, L-O-V-E, and customer loyalty. I'll be quoting it heavily because, well, (laughs) why reinvent the wheel? (laughs) I like to tell my clients that the more a person knows, likes, and trusts you, the easier and more likely it is that they'll do business with you. That no like and trust factor, K-L-T, is not something to take lightly. And the best way I've found to stimulate KLT is with a little L-O-V-E. Listen, observe, value, educate. These are the four actions you can take that give your raving fans a sense of allegiance, a sense of being supported by you, of being seen by you, of belonging to your global community and being part of the movement that you're building. Now, I say this, and I want to be clear that it isn't about the scale of your community or your movement. It's the fact that you have one. It could be very local or national, or international. Scale doesn't matter. Size is irrelevant. You do you, and build your noble empire to the size and shape you want it to be. But these four actions, listen, observe, value, and educate, L-O-V-E, are the best way to connect more deeply and have more meaningful and profitable relationships with your right audience. When you show L-O-V-E to your audience, your audience feels more at ease and trusts you. They believe you and they believe in you. They feel like you get them, like you care about your relationship with them. And I'd like to think that if you're in my audience, you really do care. You're genuine and authentic about the care you give to your people. When your audience believes that you have more vested in the relationship than they do, 
they're more likely to say yes to your offers, especially if they like you. So let's look more closely at how each of these action steps plays out. Listen and observe. Essentially pay attention to what's going on. Don't create in a vacuum. The best creative entrepreneurs in history made things for an audience. And audiences aren't static. They're made up of a variety of people. I'm not sure they have commonalities. That's what makes them an audience. But it also means that your audience is a living, breathing collective. And each person in that audience has needs, fears, stories, and lives. And your work only makes up a teeny tiny fraction of that life. You've got to listen to your audience and observe what's really going on for them beyond what relates to your great work to better understand and maybe even predict what they're going to need next. I think it's a baseline expectation in this day and age that you need to be paying attention to the changes in and around your market. You can't be responsive in your industry if you're not. If you market on social media, you need to stay abreast of what's happening on the platforms you're using. If you're creating in a particular industry, it's important to stay on top of how that industry is changing or if there are new innovations that could impact your business. But the best creatives are looking deeper than that. Yeah, industry trends are important, but so are the people that make up your audience. And if you don't know them, then you don't have a clue about how the tide could shift dramatically from one month to the next in your business. When I'm on social media, I see what's going on in a broader sense with my clients. Some of them are parents advocating for struggling kids or missing an absent spouse. Some of them have had deaths of people close to them. Some of them are traveling and some of them still only dream of traveling. Some of them are trying to figure out new recipes and weight loss goals, and some of them are celebrating new milestones and achievements. And none of that is directly related to anything that I coach about. Heck, it may not even have a direct impact on their great work. And yet, because it matters to them, it's important for me to be aware of. Understanding context is huge for me. I'm a person who teaches people that they need to build their business around what's important to them. So if you've got a health crisis, that's important to you. Maybe even more important than bringing in new clients at the moment. It would be pretty irresponsible of me to ignore what's going on in their lives and just prescribe a course of action that doesn't fit with what's really possible for them. Oh, I can hear it now. Hey, you need to be doing more video. I don't see you doing videos for your audience and the answer to your problem is doing more video. Uh... I have no access to a video camera. I'm terminally shy and super self-conscious. Plus, I have a speech impediment. I've got a restraining order against someone that I don't want seeing me on video somewhere. So I need to be as anonymous as possible. Whoops. <laughs> you wouldn't trust a doctor to just prescribe medicine without knowing your health background and getting a diagnosis for the symptoms at hand. So why are you trying to tell people they need your stuff without understanding what's going on in their lives? Now, I would argue that context is just as important for you in your business. The better you understand your clients and potential clients, the easier it is to read their minds, so to speak. People often say one thing publicly and do something else when they think no one is looking. And you've seen those internet memes that say things like, me to my 10-year-old, why are you watching sports on TV instead of going outside and playing? Also me, turns on the food network. Like those memes exist 
because we know we can be hypocritical at times. It's part of being a human. (laughs) I can say I want to lose 100 pounds, but then I look at all the work involved and I want to curl up into a ball with a pint of ice cream and soothe my feelings. And I know I'm not the only one who does this. Clients say they want to see a particular income goal, and when I tell them to raise their rates, they freak out. And once they finally do raise their rates, they're all, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? We all have our own version of this. We say one thing, and then we do the thing that feels safer to us. That's why it's important to pay attention to what your raving fans are up to. I'm not saying become a stalker here. I'm saying that it's probably a good idea to check in with your best customers from time to time and see what's going on in their lives beyond the way you work with them. It will help inform you about the trends and patterns in your audience. It enables you to hold up a mirror to them and say, hey, I'm seeing you talk about this stuff. Is it really important to you? Am I reading you right? And if you are, then they feel seen and appreciated. And if you're off the mark, you've given them a chance to correct you and they still feel seen and appreciated. It's a win-win for you and them. Singer-songwriter Matthew West did this brilliantly. He reached out to his audience and said, hey, I'm going to a cabin in the woods and I want to write songs about your stories, so send me your stories. And his fans flooded his mailbox. He spent weeks in that cabin and cranked out an album of completely crowdsourced stories that sold like hotcakes. He wrote songs with a global message that were deeply personal to his fans. And what's more, Matthew West got a firsthand look at what was really going on in the lives of his fans. People released from prison. People who struggled with divorce and other hardships that Matthew himself had never experienced. And he never would have known these perspectives if he'd only ever written songs from his own personal life experience. Matthew West walked away with not only a hot-selling record, He also got a crash course in learning what was really on the hearts and minds of his most loyal fans, many of which he'd never experienced himself. It went so well that he did a second album in very much the same way. Fans felt seen, heard, acknowledged for who they really were. Something most humans in this world hardly ever get anymore. This kind of recognition only serves to pull your raving fans in even closer. Now, some marketing gurus will tell you to find their pain point, but that doesn't always apply for creatives. You may not be solving an obvious problem, but you can certainly empathize and help make their life better through your great work. Music, for example, doesn't necessarily solve a problem on the surface. Instead, it hits an empathetic nerve. Your fans relate to your music or identify with your art because they feel connected to it or the story behind it in some way. It could be that they're in alignment with your core values and just want to support you as an artist. It could be that your great work is a spark in a bigger movement that they feel part of. The more your audience feels seen and heard, the stronger the know, like, and trust factor you have with them. So pay attention to what's coming up for your audience. Listen, observe, and then reflect back to them what you're seeing so that you can validate that you're on the right track. And I see too many creatives flying blind in this department. They either just do their own thing and pray people want to buy it, or they ask too many of the wrong people for input on their work. Remember, you're looking for the voice of your raving fans. They're the ones buying from you and sharing your great work with their world. They're the ones who want what you've got. Everyone else is just noise pollution. Actually, Let me qualify that. 
I say everyone else is just noise pollution with the understanding that you're building a business that isn't designed to harm anyone. I'm sad I even have to make that disclaimer. If your great work in the world is harmful, then you're going to hear a lot from people who aren't buying from you and who aren't your raving fans. Ignore them at your peril because they're trying to help you be a better contributor to the world. But if you're coming from a place of service and actively doing what you can as you are able to be a positive contribution to the world through your great work, then everyone who's not part of the voice of your raving fans is just noise pollution. And you want to clear the air as much as possible so that you're speaking right to and listening to the people who matter most. I also want to issue a warning to those of you just getting started with building an audience. You might have heard someone say, create a survey and ask what your people want. There's even a book or two out there promoting this idea. And that's great if you've got clarity on who your audience really is and you already have their ear. If you've got a mailing list or social media following with thousands of people, you might get a few hundred responses to make it worth your while. Maybe. I know for me, that wasn't the case. I'd send surveys and ask for input only to get one or two responses or crickets. That just made the whole asking thing frustrating. That frustration can lead you to start asking the wrong people. Anyone who'll show up and answer. Like posting the same survey on social media. Yeah, you'll probably get more responses, but they probably won't be from your right audience. If you're still trying to hammer out who your right audience is, or you're still in the early growth stages of your business with only a few thousand people on your mailing list, you're probably going to get some pretty lackluster results, if you get any at all. Heck, I've been in business for over 20 years, and surveys were often such a painful exercise in futility that I finally stopped doing them. In my experience, especially with newer businesses still trying to figure out their audience, a survey is a waste of time. For one thing, you might not even know what to ask or how to ask it in a way that people feel comfortable answering. For another, you might not get very many people to respond. Even with a list of a thousand people, you'll be really lucky to get 50 or 100 responses. That's a lot of effort for very little return. Because once you have the responses, you still have to analyze them and you still might not get any clear guidance from the results you get. But by paying attention to what your audience is already saying and doing on their own social outposts. You can draw conclusions and theories that you can test and validate much faster than waiting on survey results. For example, in one of my social media listing stations, I was noticing a recurring theme from several of the creative entrepreneurs I follow. The theme was a sense of overwhelm and fatigue around growing their business. They were Feeling the effects of long-term hustle, which if you've been around me for any length of time, you know that I do not advocate long-term hustle. These folks were tired and overwhelmed, not because they didn't know what to do, but because there was so much more to consider and navigate as their business was growing. And because of the hustle, their business grew unsustainably. So they really didn't have time to think about these new considerations, and it created a lot of overwhelm. Add to that... The additional requests on their time and energy now that their audience is growing and it makes for a lot of potential resentment and dissatisfaction. I recognize they were probably dealing with a heavy emotional load that they hadn't articulated yet. But I was only guessing at this point. I mean, it seemed obvious, but I could still be 100% wrong. It would be silly to send my audience a survey asking about overwhelm because I'm not even sure that's their issue. Instead, 
I needed to test my theory by holding up a mirror and saying, hey, I think I'm hearing you say this. Am I on the right track? So to test my theory, I wrote a post about how some things can get more emotionally challenging as a business grows, that it's normal and not indicative of something wrong with a creative. And in fact, that it's up to us as creatives to let our audience know what's going on and ask for what we need from them, including space. It was also a call to arms to encourage people who hire creatives to see this hidden investment that we make in our work and to compensate us appropriately. Because the overwhelm I was able to see was just a symptom of something deeper. The core issue, as I looked around my social media outposts, was that these creative entrepreneurs were feeling the weight of more work and a diminishing return. They felt as if they were not being compensated fairly for the work that they were creating because the world couldn't see the process of creation as a tangible thing. My post made it a little more tangible. In the end, there was so much feedback on that post that I used it as the starting point for a guest blog post on the Productive Flourishing blog. That guest post led more people to reach out and thank me for articulating something that they'd been feeling for a while but didn't know how to put into words. It was shared in groups and on pages all over the internet in circles that I don't even travel in, but some of my colleagues do. It was one of the most popular posts I've made in a while because I was listening to what my audience was already talking about. And by reflecting what I saw back to them, they felt acknowledged, seen, understood. Now, this is coaching 101. Okay, as a coach, I'm constantly mirroring for my clients. Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Do you see that too? Am I seeing it correctly? Or is there something missing from my perspective? I ask the questions and then I wait for the feedback. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way. Or, nope, that's not what I meant. I meant this. Or, well, sort of. I mean, I see what you're saying, but there's also this over here. I don't always get it right. (gasps) I know, shocker. I'm coming from my own worldview, remember? My own life experiences, and it's hard to see something when you don't know what you're looking at. We all, every single one of us, base everything we experience on things we've already experienced. We're creatures of comparison. Now that can be helpful if we have an open mindset, but it can also be detrimental to us if we've got a closed mindset because we fall into loops and patterns that we can't get out of. Clarity above everything else is key. Your assumptions about why people choose you, about what people really want from you, about who you think your audience is, will kill your business if you don't validate your theories. You could be completely wrong. And if you go off half-cocked, you could run your entire business into the ground because of faulty assumptions. The only way to know for sure is by listening, conducting an experiment, and looking at the results. Plan, do, evaluate. I say it so much, my clients start to roll their eyes sometimes. So many creatives skip the evaluate step and just keep doing. Sometimes you don't even plan, you just do and do and do, and then do some more. And we all know what happens then. You get nothing but do-do. So listen to and observe what's going on for your right audience and then show them that you value them. That's part of the reflection process. You show them you understand what they're going through when you ask for confirmation and validation of your theories. You involve them and help them know they're valued, that their world is valued, that their circumstances are valued. 
They feel seen and heard, and that is a powerful currency in this age of superficial digital connection and dwindling personal connection. That value isn't a one-way street either. If you're only doing what works for you without regard to your raving fans, then business dries up. You've basically stuck your head in the sand and are creating for creation's sake. You're no longer a creative entrepreneur, you're just a creative who might get lucky and sell something once in a while. The other side of that coin is that if you're only doing what your audience wants with no regard for yourself, then resentment builds. You're working just for the money, and that becomes a frustrating, unfulfilling line of work that's probably not much better and maybe a little worse than just having a regular job. How do you demonstrate to your audience that you value them? It begins with the mirroring you do. When you say, hey, I see you and you matter to me, people pay attention to that. But you can't stop there. Your great work is proof that you are listening because you care and not because you're trying to sell something. When you look at Lady Gaga's body of work, yes, she's writing for herself and performing in ways that appeal to her. There's also a clear overlap with her raving fans, whom she calls her little monsters. Her song Born This Way is an anthem, a call to arms for the people who resonate with that message. It very clearly tells her raving fans, hey, I get you. I understand what you've been going through. Maybe I've even been there myself. That's her way of showing she's listening, observing, and valuing her little monsters. It's love, or at least the first three actions of love, and her little monsters love how she loves them. Lastly, you've got to educate your audience. Before you panic and start telling me how you're not a teacher or that you could never get in front of a classroom, bear with me. Educating doesn't mean you have to teach an online course or sell info products or even get on a stage and speak to a crowd if that's not your jam. Educating means your raving fans want to know who you are and what you stand for. They want to know the why behind your great work. They want to know why they should choose you instead of someone else. The only way that's possible is if you educate them. Now, it can come in a variety of formats, and I can't begin to enumerate them all here. What I can say is that it's your job as a creative entrepreneur to tell people about you, your work, your work philosophy, your company's worldview. It also means educating them about how your offers work, what you're about, and the expectations you have for them and for yourself. That's marketing, y'all. That's marketing, Educating your audience about why choosing you is the right option for them. Because some people, no matter how awesome you are, won't like you, won't get you, and won't want to buy from you or hire you, and that's okay. Next! (laughs) But how are they going to decide if they like you if they don't even know who the heck you are? You need to keep your raving fans looped in. Raving fans want to be in the know. They get a sense of pride and belonging from being an insider and knowing the scoop that the rest of the world might not be privy to. They also can become evangelists for you, doing some of that marketing on your behalf so that you don't have to. But they can't do that if you don't educate them. You need to keep them in the loop, and the sooner, the better. I see artists on Instagram who wait until their work is finished to show the art. Why not bring your audience along for the ride? Let them go behind the scenes. Let them hear your stories of how you debated which colors or media to use. Tell them why you've chosen to do the work you're doing and why you've priced it the way you have. My cousin is an artist. 
Recently, he shared an incredible collage he'd made as homage to the late great Aretha Franklin, and the piece is amazing. He put a lot of time and energy into it, and there are a lot of details that are hard to catch on a social media image. So he took a bunch of close-up photos to help you get a feel for all the time, effort, and energy he put into this collage. But the story he shared about the piece was even better. He talked about his decision-making process and how he chose to put a gangster lean on the crown of the Queen of Soul as a hat tip to her Detroit origins. He educated his audience about his work. As a result, people were asking about buying it before it was even ready for sale. By educating his audience about his thought process and sharing the journey of making the piece, not just the finished piece itself, he had a line of potential buyers interested and ready for his masterpiece. Think about what you stand for and what you won't stand for as a creative entrepreneur. Have you done the work of letting your audience know these things? Have you done the work of marketing and educating your raving fans and evangelists? The sooner you start, the sooner you'll have your own field of ready buyers for your great work. So there it is, L to the O to the V to the E. Listen, observe, value, and educate your audience so that they can love you back. It may not always be the fastest way, but it's certainly the best way to build a loyal following for your business. If you need help, hop into the Rising Tide Learning Library where the Find Your Audience Masterclass is waiting for you. It's a free workshop designed to help you set up your social media listening stations so that you can start loving your audience and creating raving fans for your great work. Our free learning library and episode archives are growing, so I hope you're taking advantage of everything that we have to offer at Creative Freedom HQ. Check out the Rising Tide link on my website to get access to your free member account today. If you liked this episode, help us make a bigger impact in the world by supporting our Patreon campaign or subscribing, sharing us around with your friends and colleagues, leaving us a review. Every little bit helps. It all makes a difference more than you could ever know. And we're one of the fastest growing shows for creative entrepreneurs because of people like you. Thank you. And next time we're going to debunk some common myths about passive income. Oh yeah, we're going to go there. And I hope you'll join me then. Until next time for more inspiration and education to help you end the hustle and own your dreams without selling your soul. Come see what's shaking over at lisarobinyoung.com. You know you want to.